can you share with us some of the best tips to get our LinkedIn profile really firing so that when we do start that conversation and we genuinely express our interest in this person that we are wishing to connect to, they go and check our profile and they find something that is meaningful and valuable. I will 100% tell you the areas that you have to optimize on your LinkedIn profile before you do anything else on LinkedIn. I'm about to share just five things that you need to do on your profile. So if your profile is not set up correctly, then you really need to start here. I'm Ryan Dice from digitalmarketer.com and you're listening to my buddy Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hello there. This is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com, with a quick message for you. If you'd like to grow your business profitably and fast, head over to getmetodone.com where you can learn more about the Productive Insights membership program, which is designed to help you grow your business profitably and fast. We help you get clear on your target audience and create an irresistible offer around the specific problem that you solve for your audience. Once we've established an offer that's a good fit for your audience, We then help you to scale your business using marketing automation, which means you spend less time working and more time enjoying the fruits of your labor. If you'd like to learn more, head over to getmetodone.com right now and take that first step towards your business success and your time freedom. I hope you enjoy this episode and get a ton of value from it. I look forward to seeing you at getmetodone.com. Hello and welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast. This is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com and the host of the Productive Insights Podcast. I'm delighted to be back after an amazingly fantastic break that I had over the New Year period. I went to New Zealand and it was just stunning. So if you haven't got out to New Zealand, I highly recommend you checking it out, particularly Dunedin and Queenstown. I'm now back from my break and I'm very refreshed, and I'm raring to go. In this episode, I continue the conversation with the digital marketer team, and this is the fourth in a series of conversations with the digital marketer team, in which I talk about how to optimize your LinkedIn profile with Marcus Murphy. Truly, this is a masterclass on how to optimize your LinkedIn profile and how to use LinkedIn to develop powerful networks, and to create an ethical selling approach which doesn't annoy your prospects. This happens to be the first part of a two-part conversation, and in the next part, we will be talking about how to use Sales Navigator, which is one of the premium options that LinkedIn offers. Now, you'll find all the show notes to this episode at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 173. And the second part of this conversation where we'll be talking about the Sales Navigator tool will be at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 174. This episode 173 and the next episode 174 really complement the episode I did with Roland Frazier in 172. 
And you can find the show notes of that episode at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 172. This episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights membership program, which helps you grow your business using online strategies that actually work. I'm currently accepting founding members into the membership at a heavily discounted rate. So head over to ProductiveInsights.com to find out more about this Productive Insights membership program. Now let's talk to Marcus Murphy and learn about the five steps you can take to optimize your LinkedIn profile so you can generate high quality inbound leads for your business and build a powerful, meaningful network. Hello, and welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast. This is your host, Ash Roy, and the founder of ProductiveInsights.com. I'm delighted to have a special guest, Marcus Murphy, and he's somebody I've been very keen to have on for quite a while because he's here to change the conversation around sales by changing the sales conversation. And specifically, we're going to be talking about LinkedIn and how to achieve a more authentic approach to sales around LinkedIn. Now, just to put a bit of context around this, there is a lot of negative hype around sales in general, and probably for good reason, because unfortunately, sales has been associated with being pushy and slimy. But both Marcus and I feel that it doesn't have to be that way, that sales is about solving a problem and it's about being empathetic. In today's world, Marcus and I feel that being strategic, helpful, and empathetic is what helps us to win as salespeople, and more importantly, it helps the customer to win. So I'm delighted to welcome Marcus Murphy from digitalmarketer.com. Welcome, Marcus. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, it's great to have you on the show, man. Let's start by talking about why it's important to have an empathetic approach to sales and how LinkedIn helps us to achieve this in particular. First of all, this topic is fantastic. Uh, The reason why it's fantastic is because every single person, whether you admit that you're a salesperson or not, if you own a company out there, you are, right? Because fundamentally, you need to win new business, you need to get new clients, new customers. Um, So everybody needs to kind of hear this good news of being able to bring sales back into what I believe it was meant for, which was was connecting and making genuine and empathetic connections with other people. And so really, really good salespeople do that, and the majority of salespeople do not. Salespeople are, are typically pushy. Uh, they follow a script. They care more about themselves than they do the person that they're trying to sell. And typically, they don't listen. They're the worst listeners in the world, if you've ever <laughs> come across that. So usually when I'm speaking in, in some kind of event, I ask people like, hey, how many people uh, love salespeople? And it's dead silent. Unless there's a salesperson, they usually raise their hand. When I found LinkedIn several years ago, I found a platform that was connecting and bringing professionals to uh, some kind of social. I mean, it was a social platform for professionals. It was different. And when I found that as a salesperson, I was like, wait a minute, all of my people, all the people, all the prospects, all the people that I want to connect with, not only mentorship and potential customers, everybody was kind of coming to LinkedIn. It was almost a place where people would come to find a job originally. But what I saw was a major opportunity. So I was a very much an early adopter of the platform. Um, I saw a lot of opportunity in, in connecting with people and, and making sure that I found ways to interact with them, engage them in a new way. And LinkedIn over the years has 
built-in tools that allow us to continue to be thoughtful. And it's yes. very much like a value-first kind of conversation because if you're on LinkedIn and it's one-sided, you won't win. If you use the platform in the right way, you're going to start conversation after conversation, and those are much easier to monetize than kind of a one-way prospecting email or outreach. Yeah, absolutely. I like what you said about some salespeople tending to follow a script. And when things go horribly wrong is when you try and force your prospect into your script instead of trying to build the conversation around your prospect's problem or their needs. And the other point you made, which I really agree with, is talking too much and not listening enough. I remember someone said it really well to me. They said, telling is not selling. So yeah. a great way to do it is to ask and then dive deeper, delve deeper and, you know, like almost keep pulling on the string to try and understand the problem and then approach it almost like a doctor would approach a patient, a diagnostic approach. So how does LinkedIn specifically enable us to have this diagnostic approach? You know, first of all, if you're not on LinkedIn right now, I need to make sure that I'm kind of being overly dramatic Okay. There are 560 plus million people on this platform. And the goal of LinkedIn is to have 3 billion people and they're well on their way. So you're sitting here going, well, should I be on LinkedIn? Should I not? Or like most people you're on LinkedIn, but you haven't ever really optimized it. You don't know what to do with it. You're kind of have a nice picture. Maybe you've done a few things to your profile, but I'll tell you right now that the reason why people should pay attention the most is it's the best conversational platform for professionals. And let me say that again. It is conversational. It is value first. When you said to me, what really separates, what's going to make the salesperson of the future win, it's going to be that value first, empathetic and thoughtful salesperson. And the only way you can be is being able to look at someone's profile on LinkedIn, find multiple points of interest, mutual connection. Empathy means that you're putting yourself in their shoes, but a lot of times what that means is you found something interesting about them that you want to make sure that you they know that you know. So for me it's like I think most selling is terrible because they don't they've done no research. They've spent no time finding out who I am, what my themes are, what I'm trying to accomplish, what I'm trying to avoid as a business owner or even just I mean I prospect all the time. Just nonstop. If you're like me, how many how many emails do you get a day, Ash? maybe 60 or 70 emails a day of which one or two would be pitch emails. I probably get about five or six pitch emails a week. Yeah. And so for me and anybody who's like an executive at a company or anybody who, who's kind of looking at this, I get about a hundred, 150 emails a day. Uh, Ryan Dice, which is really funny. Our CEO, of digital marketer probably gets hundreds of thousands a week on just people who are trying to connect and pitch ideas. I'm telling you that that's a lot of noise. And if you're sitting around thinking, man, I'm going to pick up the phone, I'm going to get a hold of someone, I'm going to send a cold email and get their attention, you're you're basically, and excuse my language, but you're you're basically peeing against the wind. Yeah. You are going uphill. That is an uphill battle that yeah. is very hard to win in a crowded and noisy market. And so for me, I know that LinkedIn, out of 560 million people, yeah. there are probably, on average, you're getting about three to four messages from someone on LinkedIn per week. 
that's on average. And it's a really incredible way to kind of cut through that noise and personalize that experience. Let people know that you know them. Let them know that you did your research. Let them know that, hey, I saw this thing on your on your LinkedIn profile. I saw that article you shared. I saw that post you shared. I want to make sure that you know that I'm interested in you. And I'm also trying to figure out how my solution, how my product aligns with where you want to go and how you can get there faster. That is the only way this platform works. And the more conversation you start and show that value up front, the more that you're going to expedite the sales process. Okay. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about how to get access to people's content, what they're sharing by talking yep. about Sales Navigator in the second part of this conversation. But Yeah, I'm very for, excited about that. Yeah, but for now, let's talk about the free version of LinkedIn and how that yep. enables us to do this research and how that is different to other platforms like, say, Facebook or Instagram and so on. I would like to just mention a few things that I've noticed that LinkedIn offers that the other platforms don't. It's true that Facebook has 2 billion users or close to it, but Facebook has had quite a few issues of late around the Cambridge Analytica scandal. And to be honest, I personally think they're reeling from it. And I don't feel very optimistic about Facebook's future in terms of being the place to be at. Now, LinkedIn does have relatively fewer people on there, but it's very much a professional network and the average income is much higher. So there's definitely compelling reasons to be on LinkedIn. It's much easier to find out about someone. It's a far more professional platform. So you don't sort of talk about what you have for breakfast on LinkedIn. There's certain etiquette around it, which I really like. It works well for me. That said, it doesn't necessarily work for all brands. And we can talk about that a little bit later on. But let me throw a little bit of a spanner in the works, Marcus. And one of the objections I've heard from people is, oh, well, people don't check their messages on LinkedIn very often. They only check it once a week. What do you have to say to that? You know, they're probably right. I'm not, here's the interesting thing. I'm not here to defend LinkedIn. I'm telling you what's worked and what I've seen. And yeah. so whether somebody checks it and think about this, if they check their email, they check their phone incessantly all day long. I mean, this yeah. thing literally blinks every second of the day for me. Yeah. I have to mute everything. Yeah. When you get one quality message per week, yes. If you get one quality message per week, does it matter the consistency of the message? Think about it like this, and I know maybe this, but th this might not translate as well. And I, I remember kind of talking to a few of my sales managers about this the other day. I asked them this question. I said, hey, because they asked me, what time should a, should a salesperson start their day? Should they be there at six o'clock in the morning and they're ready to go and they're calling a hundred people a day? I said, well, does it matter if they call a hundred people a day or they have 10 quality conversations? And so when you start thinking about the quality over quantity aspect of this platform, I'm going to cut through the noise, whether you check it once a week or once a day. And I'm going to tell you that in that kind of personalization that LinkedIn allows, it's more about the quality of your communication than the quantity. And I think that's really important to remember. Agreed. It reminds me of something that Ryan Dice said at Digital Marketer Down Under, and that was conversation is the new lead. I think that oh, we really need to think in terms of a conversation and in terms of a, an interactive conversation where preferably the other person is speaking about 70 or 80% of the time and you're speaking maybe about 
20% of the time at the most, where you're offering suggestions and solutions. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Dice is a smart guy, so I will agree with what he says. Uh, he's also a really good friend and mentor of mine, and, and I'll tell you, conversations win. And if you know how to have the correct kind of conversation, typically you aren't the one talking the most. And I think that's really a way that, you know, when I, when I see young salespeople, the biggest mistakes that they make are that they end up over talking. And you know what's crazy? The number one mistake very veteran salespeople make yeah. They over talk. <laughs> it's because that you either know too little or you know too much. And so there's a very interesting dynamic that when you are a young salesperson, you if you come into a sales conversation and you're more uh, curious, you're inquisitive, you are the one who's asking great questions to let people know that you that you're interested in them because people love people love to talk about themselves. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but typically when anyone asks like if you ask if, when's the last time someone you someone asked you five questions about your life? When's yeah. the last time? It's almost impossible to figure that out. Yeah, it's a very long time because people are are innately selfish, <laughs> yes. and so when when somebody when someone comes against that or they're they're literally doing just the opposite, it stands out. So if you want to be a successful salesperson, period, you're going to ask a lot of great questions and you're going to do the research. And that's where just being on the LinkedIn free to free account, there's so much information on there. You asked a really important question, Ash, and I, I want to get back to it. You said like, what's the biggest difference between LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram? And here's the deal. Everyone should be utilizing those right? Everybody's on Facebook. Everyone is on Instagram, but they do serve different purposes. Um, if I go to Facebook, I'm looking to have connect with my family members, connect with my friends, share pictures of my family. I'm looking to, to interact with people on a personal level. In fact, if you send me a Facebook friend request right now, not you, Ash, but anybody listening to this, I most likely won't accept it because I don't know you, which is important to understand. And it's also, it's also gated. So Facebook and Instagram can be private. LinkedIn, does not have a private option, but it's also creating a professional context that allows people to understand that when they come there, they're not going to see cat videos. They're not going to see food photos. Like you said, they're coming there because they want to connect. They want to get a job. They want to um, have partnerships. They want to gain leads. They want to gain customers. And that is its primary focus. So when you are putting and populating information on that page, all the areas that you populate are a hundred percent professional. There's no area in there that's asking you what, where you're vacationing or how many children you have. That is all really appropriate for the appropriate site. But in this case, it's your professional persona online. It is how you're communicating your professionalism and how you're building out your professional network, which is very different. And that's why you're going to see a much nicher 560 million as opposed to Facebook, which everyone has, including my grandmother. So that's a very important place <laughs> to remember. Now, there is one place that you can do some high quality talking as it were and that is yeah. on your linkedin profile so can you share with us some of the best tips to get our linkedin profile really firing so that when we do start that conversation and we genuinely express our interest in this person that we are wishing to connect to they go and check our profile and they find something that is meaningful and valuable i will 100 percent tell you the areas that you have to optimize on your LinkedIn profile before you do anything else on LinkedIn. In fact, this is the number one. I'm about to share just five things that you need to do on your profile. If you don't do these five things, please do not connect with another person. Do not spend money on LinkedIn. Do not do advertising because all of it leads back to you and your professional brand on LinkedIn. So if your profile is not set up correctly, if it's not just these few things I'm about to tell you to optimize, then you really 
need to start here. And it might feel very remedial, right? If I'm going to tell you, hey, you need a profile photo and it needs to look like this, it's going to feel like, Marcus, I'm so much smarter than this. But I'll tell you what, the majority of people get it wrong. Yeah. And it's very, very intentional. So I am going to start with, with personalization, okay? Sure. When you go into a LinkedIn profile, the first thing you're going to see is someone's photo. Most people do um, some kind of professional headshot, but I'll tell you the majority don't. The majority have uh, the pictures way too big for the frame. It's a circular photo. The rule of thumb is 60% of the frame with a clean background, okay? Right. And people always ask me a question like, what do I wear in the photo? And I'll tell you, it's, it has to be appropriate to what you're trying to attract, right? If you're fishing, you're the bait in this photo. Okay. Yeah. And if your clientele are more professional buttoned up and, and they, you know, depending on like whatever their actually expectations of that community are, then you probably aren't going to wear a very casual button down shirt. Like I typically do in my photos because my customers are expecting that. Right. Then you also have an opportunity, which the majority of people do not take advantage of, which is a banner photo. There's a banner photo and every single, every single opportunity you have to brand the site you need to take advantage of that because pictures communicate. Pictures will yeah. communicate an image, and they they 100% uh, you know need to be consistent with your brand. So on my my profile page, if you go to my LinkedIn page, you will see a picture of me with a clean background. I'm smirking like a smile because I want to make sure that I'm approachable. And then if you look at my banner photo, it's branded Digital Marketer. It's a photo of us on main stage at, at TNC last year, Trapping Conversion Summit, our conference in San Diego, California. And it's just a buzz. There's a lot of energy and it's just a really great photo to kind of express it. So when you see that photo, you're like, this guy's on stage. This guy's just kind of communicating energy. He yeah. seems like he's, you know, out there living life. And that is what I'm trying to do. So number one, it is important to make sure that you are professionally branded on LinkedIn. Your your profile photo counts and your your banner photo absolutely counts because it gives you an opportunity to personalize and brand yourself, which is wonderful. Now, Marcus, let uh, me just jump in there for one second, just to clarify yeah, for yeah. our listeners. When you talk about banner photo, you mean the photo that sits across behind in the background on the top of your profile so it's not Correct. the photo that's in that circular thing but it's the, the backdrop of what is that circular photo you can customize yes. that absolutely that you can customize that banner photo across the top of the page and then you also have the ability to go in and customize and linkedin has filters and they have adjustments and you can crop and, and do that right from your profile when you edit and here's the thing you're going to find the edit there's nothing that says edit but there's a little pencil there's a little pencil all over your page when you log in and when you yeah. click on the pencil that's your edit option so make sure that you're looking for that when you find it but that's just number one the second one is is that under your name on your profile is a descriptor. Many many people typically just put their title, CEO, a digital marketer, director of, of monetization, but it actually gives you more characters there, okay, to be able to tell people what, because when I'm scrolling through a feed, all I see is your photo and your name and your description. So your profile description here should be more than just your name and your job title. It should actually say something. Like for mine, it says exec, executive sales leader, but my sales team says, we are here to help agencies grow. Because that's what they're selling. They're selling an agency program that is helping agency pro, uh, agencies grow across the world. So when I look at this, I'm like, wow, there's real estate here that you can start to personalize and tell people how this is the very first place you can start a conversation. Okay. So the second thing that you can do here under your name is put in a personalized description that allows people to understand what you're about and allows you to even kind of start the conversation. So when they're scrolling through, they see exactly what you do and who you help. But would it make sense to then have that line 
talk about the benefit that you offer to your target audience. So if you're, for example, an agency growth specialist, rather than saying sales director, you might say agency growth specialist at Digital Marketer. Totally. You can say agency growth specialist, or you can even take it a little bit further and tell people exactly what you do with agencies. So in our case, when we have our salespeople say, we help agencies grow, or we're here to double the size of 10,000 businesses, they also can incorporate their mission and what they're about. So that headline, which is what it's officially called, is a LinkedIn headline. So your first name, your last name, and then it will have your headline, and you um, can use that real estate to be able to make that description. That's a very, very, very good second point. If you want to know more about missions and how Digital Marketer's mission of doubling 10,000 businesses by 2020 came to be, definitely have a listen to the conversation with Ryan Dice because we had a great chat about that. And you can access that at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 170. All right, perfect. So the, the third thing on your profile, so now you've got your photos, you've got your banner photo, you have a personalized headline that's telling people why they should connect with you. The next piece is that you have 2,000 characters in your summary section to be able to tell the world what you're about. This is where you say, this is my mission, this is my vision. You're going to insert personalization, and then you're going to end with a clear call to action. And they have, they give you so much space to do that. Let me give you an example. I'm going to read a bit of my uh, summary so that people understand, because it's not it's not just a bulleted list. It's not a bulleted list of your superlatives. Yeah. This is an opportunity for you to tell a story, because people do connect with stories. They absolutely want yes. to know more about you. It's I have people, into us. Oh. Literally like five to six different people per week now will reach out just because they like my mission statement and what I'm about. They'll connect with something inside of that summary and they'll start a conversation. This is what I'm telling you. Every single piece of personalization should be an opportunity for someone to have a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. And if you do it right, the people who absolutely identify with this are your perfect customer. They just are. Or they're a perfect partner that you can work with because they are aligning with your vision. So for me, I, I, I'll read it really quick, but... Sure. It's quick, it's simple, and it's to the point. I'm on a mission to overcome the stigma of selling. All right. That's the very first line. Then I insert personality. I said, when I was a kid, I didn't dress up as a salesman for Halloween, and I certainly didn't ask for sales training for Christmas. Okay. It's basically saying that I just accidentally became a salesperson because of my skill set. Right. Now, the next one is unfortunately, no one wants to be a salesperson, even though it's the largest profession in the world. Yeah. Okay. It is the largest profession. People hate being sold, but they love to buy. People need salespeople, but equally hate them. Right. That is yeah. very important because it's like, I love to buy, but I don't love people that are yeah. selling me this stuff. So there's a disconnect in understanding that salespeople are typically the problem. Okay. Yeah. And so people identify with that. The next line is even with all the other job options, here I am a sales guy trying to escape the thoughtless, pushy, untrustworthy reputation has ruined countless before me. And then in quotes, I say, Hey, what do you do for a living? Me whispers, I'm a sales guy because it's embarrassing, right? Sometimes <laughs> it is. That stigma is so hard. And then I end it with, I'm here to take sales back, to restore, teach, and uplevel the sales profession. It won't be easy, but nothing worthwhile ever is. Today, the strategic, helpful, empathetic salesperson wins. It's time to put thoughtfulness back into the sales process, and I'm ready for the challenge. Does anyone want to join me? And I have countless countless messages of people who absolutely have wanted to join in that mission and it gives the opportunity for the conversation okay marcus i've got to tell you some things that just jumped out at me from that story that i absolutely loved so the first thing was i love the juxtaposition where you said you know people hate being sold to but they love to buy 
No one wants to be a salesperson, but it's the largest profession in the world. So I really love that contrast and how you, you know, put those paradoxes forward. Then you took right. me on a bit of a journey. You told me about your story as a, as a kid, and then you turned that into how that graduated almost into your mission. And then you concluded with an awesome call to action saying, who wants to join me? Put your hand up. And yep. I think yep. that a powerful story shares a journey, delivers some kind of a transformation, which you've done in your profile very skillfully, and then ends with a call to action where you're asking them to put their hand up. And that's probably why you're getting so many people reaching out to you. And I'm telling you that every single person can have a, a profile like this. Like I said, 2,000 characters here. Insert your personality. Start with your mission. Get people on board insert your personality with little pieces of who you are and then end with something that allows people to start a conversation, ask a question, um, make sure that people know that, that, that not only are you just giving them information, but you care about them as well. If yeah. you relate to this, if you like this, you know, send me a private message, write, write me a comment, connect with me here. These are all free things that you can be optimizing. And this third one is massive because there's one little piece of it too here, Ash, that's important. Yeah. Um, also on that, on that same summary page, now they let you add rich media. So they let you add in photos now, because I'll tell you right now that the percentage of readers in the world is very low. Okay. I don't right. want to say, I mean, probably mostly in America, but which is probably, I think it was like an average of four books a year. But when you take out children's books, it's more like one uh, book a year <laughs> per household per person. And not to say that everyone's dumb or uninformed or ignorant. It's actually that people learn in different ways. And we've moved from, from kind of that to well, more of like right. a listening generation or watching generation. Well, people are reading through audio books now. People are listening through, listening to podcasts. So knowledge transfer is happening a lot more through voice and video. Yeah, we're doing it right now, right? So, of course, LinkedIn would let, allow you to, to add in media to your summary and to all of your job descriptions as well, which I'll get into as my fourth point. But you can now add photos to your summary to tell that different story. So in mine, if you go to my, my, my summary and you read that, you're going to get the idea of what mission I'm on and that stuff. When you look at the photos, it aligns. It shows pictures of me speaking at LinkedIn, speaking at different conferences, picture with Richard and Ryan at, at our agency event, and, and, and just opportunities for me to... To, to literally share this message with the world. So when you look at those pictures or you read that, you get a, a clear idea of who I am and what I'm about. And I think that's a really, really wonderful piece that everyone should optimize. Awesome. That's a great tip. Now, I do have a question about video. I know that if you upload video natively to LinkedIn as opposed to uploading it to YouTube and posting a link in LinkedIn to that YouTube video, uploading it natively to LinkedIn, which means uploading the mp4 file as a media file inside your LinkedIn profile, LinkedIn right. algorithms prefer that because obviously it means you're going to stay more on the LinkedIn platform. I have seen someone uploading videos on LinkedIn and then offering a PDF without requesting an opt-in, but they're asking them to leave a comment underneath that video requesting the PDF. However, they don't send the PDF in the comment. They send the PDF as a private message. So what that does is two things. That increases the ranking of that particular piece of content because it's video, point one. Point two, because people are commenting and the person is responding each time they comment, that's increasing the number of comments and LinkedIn algorithms are thinking, oh, wow, this is a valuable piece of content. So it's being pushed up. My question is this. Do you recommend that is that a good practice and is that gaming the system? So this is the Wild West, Ash. 
This is what Facebook was three, four years ago. So you should take advantage of it. Here's some insight that you're going to need to know as a listener and someone who wants to take advantage of that algorithm. Um, There are 9 billion, listen to my words, 9 billion content impressions per week on LinkedIn. Wow. So that is not only 9 billion per week, but that is roughly being driven by 1% of the population. So if I told you there are 560 million people on there, that's being driven by around 3% of the entire, I mean, 3 million people, excuse me, 3 million people are driving the majority of all content on LinkedIn. So when you see a post go viral, okay, if it's a video, it's even less than that. So if you think about 3%, it probably makes up 0.5% as video. So when you, if you want to start seeing things take off, if you want to be an early influencer on the site, because you could sit here and go 546 million, it feels like I've missed the boat. It feels like I'm not an early adopter. If you listen to what LinkedIn said, and they're trying to get to that 3 billion mark, you are an early adopter. If you're on the platform now, you just need to get ahead of the curve. That's why I'm waving my hands and doing fires and jumping around is because this is the opportunity to become that. This is the opportunity yes. when someday your clients are going to say, well, how do I leverage LinkedIn? And you're going to be like, well, I listened to that podcast with that Ash guy and he had that weird guy on there from America and whatever. <laughs> and he was talking about how you need to pay attention to this. I'm telling you right now, if you start to share content video, if you start to encourage people to comment on the video, if they like the video, it's like old school Facebook where it's showing all of your activity on that person's page. So if Jeff Weiner, the CEO of LinkedIn, liked one of my articles, he has 9 million followers. So every one of his followers is going to see that he liked and commented on my my piece and article. And I've had it already happen. When he did that, I had 47,000 views to that article in the first day. Right. The first day. So it's traditionally looking at that content and sharing it based on activity feeds. So you have an amazing opportunity. You're not gaming the system. You just understand it, right? And so if you're a marketer out there who's trying to break stuff and figure it out, then you're doing the right thing by trying to say, okay, I need to see how to make this content go further. So in your case, when you were talking about the video and having them send out something private, you can even be – You can do a simpler version of that and basically go ahead and share that piece of content, that native video, because you're right. The algorithm does like native video. At least it seems so. I can't speak definitively, but it does. And if you write the comment section where you want to put a link or you want to share an article or in that download um, underneath in that comment section that takes them over to uh, a downloadable PDF where they have to enter their information, that is a perfect strategy and one that if they comment, the comments are ranked and the algorithm so much higher. So if you get 100 likes, that won't get you the views. If you get a hundred comments, the thing is viral because comments are ranking in terms of activity and where they show up in the feed much higher than likes. So I would say that the content strategy is where you really want to focus, especially being that the majority of all these impressions are being driven by such a small amount of people. So there's a major opportunity here, Ash. So to give you some perspective, that particular video that I'm thinking of, it had about 20,000 views and 545 comments. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really healthy one. It's funny because you you want to know what type of content do I post, and that video is very important. But the comments were really important. I have posts on here that have done a hundred thousand views, um, and wow. and I'll tell you some of them are well they'll sound really ridiculous. You ready for the one that did astronaut? Like this one got probably like seventy thousand views. I literally wrote a, a question and I said, I only drink ginger ale on airplanes. That's what I said. And I said, are there any other road warriors out there that do the same thing or am I going insane? Because I would never buy it and put it in my refrigerator. I just wouldn't do it. And so all of a sudden, 
I've got 20, 30, 40, 50 comments of people telling me that I'm not there. You're not alone. And I, you know what? Actually, I don't drink ginger ale, but I have Bloody Mary mixed with no alcohol. And I'm like, oh, that's disgusting, right? But people were sharing their experiences because you're posting a question. And that's where conversations happen. So not only are these people commenting, but when you engage with it, it's an additional comment. So all of a sudden, there's 50 people writing my wall. Now there's 100 comments because I just responded to everyone. All of a sudden, that takes a crazy viral turn, and you see an uptick in a hockey stick in, in terms of engagement. And so that one has been going and still gets comments. A friend of mine over at Drift, um, if you never heard of them, Drift.com. A guy named uh, uh, David David Cancel, and there's also uh, Dave Gerhardt. Dave Gerhardt has been experimenting on LinkedIn all the time. And if you follow him as a marketer or, or a business person, you're going to be blown away. But he basically put up a video and he said, hey, if you're a marketer on here, I'm starting a private group. If you get into this private group, you just have to make sure you comment here and let me know. This thing had a, almost 200,000 views. It's insane. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it's worth it. It's okay, let me ask it. you another question. So I communicated with... Seth Godin about a month ago, we've been exchanging emails a little bit, and the communication was around this particular blog post where he said he should write every day. So I've been writing every day since then for the whole month of November, and I've got quite a bit of content in the form of blog posts, fairly short blog posts. So if I was to create videos where I essentially Mm -hmm. use those blog posts as a script because I've tried to create engaging content in the form of those short blog posts, would that yep. be a good idea for me to do? They d- that would be the best thing that you can do. Um, I've tried a bunch of different video strategies on here. I've done full, you know, 10, 15 minutes piece of content. I've done quick uh, one minute, 90 second versions and split those up into 10 different videos on the same topic, which was really great. That worked the best because consumable information in the feed right now is kind of hovering around 90 seconds. Uh, you can get people to go to a longer version. So here's what I would suggest. <clears throat> Do the smaller micro video, and then in the comments link to a longer video. Um, that's wow. that's also seemed to work really really well, especially for YouTube users out there and people that really want to use that and start getting the most out of it. Um, but I the 90 minute video. If you go to my profile and look at some of the content there, especially the videos, you'll see 90 second clips that literally grab people's attention, and then the CTAs in the comments. And that's really where we're getting kind of the best of both worlds. People can consume it really quick, and if it's interesting to them, they're going to click on that link and take them to a landing page or take them to a longer form uh, video of that extended content, and it seems to be working really well. Perfect. Is it okay if I link to your profile in the show notes of this episode? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I always tell people, you know, I know I have, you know, 8,500 followers or whatever it is on there, but I, I literally get just hundreds of messages a week. And I, I still spend a, a tremendous amount of time getting back to people. In fact, I get back to them even better now because I can respond in a voice message on my mobile phone. So yes. when I actually go into my, yeah, I, I can go into my LinkedIn messages and click on and hold a voice note down up to uh, 60 seconds. And I can just quickly respond to people. And that's how I do it. I say, Hey, thanks so much. I looked at your profile. I really like what you did here. I give a quick example of what I think that they should update or do that. And that's kind of an open invitation because I'm always learning, right? Every person that asks me a question, I, I, I do go to their profile. I love to look at it. So open invitation, give me a little bit of grace on the time frame, but I yeah. do get back to everyone who messages cool. me. Yeah. Awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes. Now, another question that I'm sure our listeners have, and that is, what should I wear to do these videos? Do I need to dress formally <laughs> or can I just wear a t-shirt like I'm wearing now? You know, authenticity is king. I've met people that I feel like should never dress up 
because that's not who they are. Yeah. And I, like I said before, I, I do think it's attractional as well. So I think it's one part authenticity, one part attractional, right? If you're authentically gothic and wear black everything and whatever, um, but that isn't who you're trying to attract, then you need to adjust your authenticity, right. okay? But right. it, but I also think that there are, there's a lot that you know that shows in your confidence. There's a lot that shows in just who you are. Like I, I unfortunately don't wear t-shirts all the time. Right. But had I done that and the base that I was trying to connect with also expected that and thought that was totally socially acceptable, I would be doing it all the time. But I also might adjust if I'm trying to connect with someone that is less formal, because if I come in too buttoned up and I'm trying to connect with someone who is less formal, that's going to be a turnoff for them in a, in a right. major way. Right. So I, I would definitely try to be sensitive to who you're trying to attract, but also try to stay as authentic to who you are, because people really respond to authenticity. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly, because you're more comfortable in that outfit as well. So my target market are small business owners, entrepreneurs, and self-employed professionals. So it's a bit of a mix, really. But I think the aspiration of most self-employed professionals, business owners, is to be laid back and be in a T-shirt. So as long as the T-shirt doesn't have holes in it and it's not raggedy, I guess <laughs> it's okay, right? You know, it's funny. I, um, I've learned from people who are, are dressed to the T's and the nines. And I've also learned a tremendous amount of people from people that have holes in their shirts. I, I think it's really interesting. <laughs> you know, you know, Ryan, I said something to me that uh, blew my mind one time and kind of really stretched me. It goes along with this. If you can only learn from people that you like, you're missing out on a lot of really good information. I think you have to start thinking that way because if you sit around and you can only relate to and only learn from people who look like you and sound like you and are acceptable, then you're missing out on the, about you know 7% of the information because yeah. the majority of the world doesn't look like you, doesn't talk like you, doesn't dress like you. So yeah. I would challenge people to lean more on their authenticity because you're going to build more people on authenticity than you are on relatability okay. in terms of like what you look like. Yeah. That's very helpful to know. There's one quote I want to say, and then we'll come back to points four and five. I remember someone once told me, I thought people in suits were very powerful until I realized that they work for guys in shorts and t-shirts. I should say guys and gals in shorts and t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. But it's true though. I mean, a lot of, a lot of those dressed up people represent people who are, are in shorts and t-shirts and, and right, relaxed, right. you know, and, and I think that is a really good one. We're kind of into that more so now than ever on yeah. the way that we, you know, the way that we present ourselves. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's get back to our five point checklist. So we're up to point four now. I'll tell you the next, the next one is your experience section on your profile. Oh. It's overlooked because a lot of people just use this as their CV or their resume. And so they just throw up a title, the company, if they're on LinkedIn, they'll link to it. They'll put up yeah. when they worked to when they didn't, and that's it. And they'll put a little bit of a description of what they did. I'm going to challenge that too. The summary the reason why people respond to it so well is because it's written in a narrative format, okay? It's written as a story. It's written uh, with that. And in the experience, they give you the same exact opportunity. So if you go through the experience section, you can also write about the company's mission. You can start to talk about what you own and what you've been a part of. What are you proud of in your organization that you've done? What kind of responsibilities do you have? And then in that with a call to action as well, you'd be silly not to tell them that, hey, this is what is great. I, I've, you know, if you want to connect with us, this is what we do. This is another great place. But also, I want to say this and I need to tread lightly because some people try to do some black hat SEO stuff. Content is king on LinkedIn. I will say that multiple times. The more content you have, the more characters you have, the site looks for all that information. So it is to your benefit to maximize these areas where you can um, add content. So 
Yeah, I would say. And then also inside, just like the summary, you're allowed to add videos and photos to every single experience that you've had. And that means work experience that you've had. And so that can also tell an additional story. And if you do link to my profile, my profile, please use as an example and steal all the ideas on there. I'm constantly updating and trying new things. And so far, this is the one that's given me the most momentum. Man, this is a masterclass in how to excel at LinkedIn. And people pay thousands of dollars for this stuff. And our listeners are getting this for nothing. So thank you, Marcus. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And I only have, well, one more thing I'm going to loop together. It's going to feel like two. So it's almost a bonus. That's okay. But my fifth point, yeah, my fifth point is a, is a, is a section that's very much overlooked. A lot of people don't think about it, but it's the skills and endorsements and the recommendations section. Uh, yes. uh, the skills and endorsements section. Yeah, the skills and endorsements section if you go to that little pencil that I mentioned before, if you click yeah. on that pencil, which is the edit, edit button, you can actually pick the three endorsed skills that you want to display. Because yes. there's actually many, many, many more skills that people can endorse you for, or you can start to add to that list that others can. But the top three are the ones that are going to show. So it's very important that you're the um, one picking them. So for me, on my, on my profile page, it'll say skills and endorsements, leadership, my top three are leadership, management, and public speaking. And after 99, after it's like, whether it's 99 or whether it's 100 or 1,000 people who have endorsed you for that, uh, at 99 plus, it just says 99 plus, which is what you're trying to get to. It means that a lot of people are agreeing. And this is wonderful, right? Because we're in a world of selfishness and people who talk about how great they are. This is an opportunity for other people to tell you how great you are and other people to tell the world how great you are at what they think you're great at. Okay. So I love this section. A lot of people will have skills on there that are maybe outdated, you know, yeah. like, oh, I'm, you know, maybe they, were, maybe they were in photography years ago. So I would say that make sure that skills and endorsement section is there. And another question that people ask me all the time, Ash, is like, how do I get my endorsements up? How do I get more endorsements? That was what I was about to ask you. Absolutely. It's a fair question because it's the most popular question when I talk about this. I would say it's the biggest thing. It's a reciprocity rule. The more that you endorse others, they will endorse you. And I've literally without fail, I've seen it over and over again. If you okay. connect with people in your network, you need to cultivate your network. The best thing you can do for other people is to go and endorse their skills. When yeah. you do that, I've seen it just over and over again. They will come back to your page and endorse you for your top three or whatever they agree with on your top three. Sure. Um, and people constantly, when you speak more and you do more and you work with people in business and you kind of continue to get out there more, people will go there and start to endorse those skills. But I would say if you want to start getting that up quickly is that you go endorse others. Now, am I better off having fewer skills there? Does it just become noisy and confusing to LinkedIn if I have a ton of skills? No, you can have a ton of skills. It's actually not a bad thing to have lots of skills. For me, I have, this is really interesting because <clears throat> management and leadership almost sound like the same thing. And public speaking is always going to be on there because it, it quickly went up fast as I started to speak over the last 10 years. But easily, I have other skills like sales and social media and business development that are all very highly ranked. Yes. And, and sometimes depending on the season of my life, it may be more advantageous for me to have business development or sales in my top three. So when people come to the page, they're like, oh, so this, this guy is actually really great at sales. This guy knows what he's talking about with business development. Look, I mean, hundreds of people have, have said that he is great at this or she is great at this. So understanding that really it's an integrity piece and it's, a, it's another place where people are going to come. And they're going to say, oh, well, they actually – other people are saying that this person is who they say they are and they're great at this. So it's not just them telling me, um, which is really, really important. So, yeah, it doesn't matter how many are in there, but the top three are the ones that matter. And you can adjust those. You can drag those up and, and pick oh, what your top three okay. are. 
Okay, well, that's great yeah. to know. So that's that's the fifth of the and kind of the plus the the added on piece on is the recommendation section and then i'm done it, yeah. the the recommendation section uh is basically where other people can write long form uh recommendations for you if you go to that section it says ask for a recommendation okay mm-hmm. so yeah. you can click on there and it will, it will say well who do you want to ask and it says this person and it will start a message for you to that person saying Hey, can you please like take a moment to endorse me from this section when we worked on this thing together? And you know, recommendations is interesting because most people don't have any, but three to four is typically where you kind of want to be. Because as I'm scrolling through your profile, I not only want to know that other people endorsed you, but I want to know specifically why you know they enjoyed working with you or why they hired you or why they hired you as a client. When when I talk to most businesses about this, this is your review section. This is your review section. When you look at Amazon or you look at, you know, I don't know if Yelp is prominent in Australia or not, but it used to be there. When you start looking at a lot of these Google reviews, they have algorithms that don't let people kind of, you know, go ask their mom to write them a great review for their business. This is an opportunity to go to your clients as well and ask them to write a review for your business and amass those. And here's the thing, same rule. You give them, you get them, or you ask for recommendation and start sending these to people. And if you go to like my page and you start looking at some of these recommendations, these are like heartfelt. These are people that I truly loved working with. And so I would yeah. start there and really start with those people that had a good experience. And how many do you say we should aim for in terms of recommendations? Yeah, when you start, I think it's I think it's definitely going to be uh, that three to five range uh, is yeah. definitely where you want to start. And, that, and that's literally your home. Everyone's homework listening to this is to go on there to adjust your skills and endorsement section and go on and ask five people in your network to write you a recommendation about something specific when they worked with you. And I'm telling you that it's going to boost your profile and it's going to be one of the biggest integrity pieces that you can have when someone's coming and they either want to work with you or hire you. Uh, Hands down, I look at that section all the time. Awesome. Well, I'm going to actually do a nice little roundup for all the homework that we have. So here are the five key things that you can do to massively improve your LinkedIn profile. Have a photo that takes up about 60% of that circular bit, the little profile photo, so people can see you clearly, preferably you smiling rather than gnashing your teeth. (laughs) Have a nice background image, and that is the backdrop where the photo sits, and that background image can be something showing you taking action or doing something quite compelling that communicates the energy of you and your brand. The next thing was have a very clear descriptor. So a descriptor that's preferably client-facing that demonstrates to your client or your potential client how you can help them rather than be you-facing, which is, oh, I'm the CEO of so-and-so company, rather than saying that, say something like, I help agencies grow their businesses quickly through content marketing, for example. The other suggestion you had is add some rich media into your profile. We'll link to Marcus's profile in the show notes of this episode so you can check that profile out and you may connect with him, but please be patient. Marcus gets a lot of requests. Next thing is... (laughs) Get well, that makes experience. it sound pretentious, but I, <laughs> I will, I will connect with you. Then. No, That's no, I, I can see that you're you're a very accomplished LinkedIn guy. So, the next thing is get your experience section firing and use it well. Make sure that you use it as much of it as you can because LinkedIn values content. You don't have to just use text; you can use other forms of content. 
And then the last one is skills and endorsements. Make sure you pick the top three skills and drag them up to the top so that those are the most visible. And then request recommendations. And the way to get more recommendations and get more skills and endorsements is to start by giving them, which nicely brings us back to the original point of this conversation, which is selling is not telling. Selling starts with giving value. And as long as you're a good listener and you have a diagnostic approach to selling where you're being helpful and genuinely are interested in helping somebody, you can't really go wrong. Wow, that recap was fantastic. I mean, that is a that is thorough. And the other part too, I'm going to send this over to you, Ash, but I, I also created a a PDF that has uh, seven steps through the, the process, everything that I just oh, did wow. with all the examples of the profile piece. So I'll send that over to you so you can send it out to everyone. But it literally yeah. has every breakdown and each step that they oh, need man. to update and that how. That would be awesome. Yeah. Can we, yeah is yeah, it okay if we link to that PDF in the show notes too? Absolutely. Please do. Yeah. Well, if it's already on Digital Marketer, we'll just link to your website. Sure. It's actually, um, it's not, it's a, it's a digital form, but I, uh, okay. I literally put it together because I speak so much about LinkedIn yeah. and everyone is asking me kind of these recaps. And I was like, you know what, we, our design team created it and it's just a really good asset for kind of creating an all-star profile. This episode, this is pretty much all you need to get your LinkedIn absolutely firing. I'm delighted at how much value we've been able to bring to this conversation. So it was awesome having you on the show, Marcus. And I can't wait to talk to you about Sales Navigator in the second part. Oh, man, I'm really excited. And, and as always, I'm, we're always thankful to be on shows. And it's always really great to be able to, to kind of share this evangelism of, of the things that are, are yet to come. So really excited uh, to be here. Thank you. Thanks for being on. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 